focusing on the trials and tribulations of Car United Football Club. From Jamal Campbell-Rice to Adrian Clark and Harry McCurdy to Junior Mendes, we've got it covered. This is episode 26 and today we're going to be looking back at United's first league win at Bradford in 69 years, previewing the weekend clash with strugglers Stevenage, taking a look at the latest news from Brunton Park and looking at what ex-United players have been getting up to. I'm joined on this episode as usual by one of my co-hosts and today it's Mike Booth. Mike, how's it going mate? Yeah, it's going good. It feels like it feels weird, doesn't it, this week? Because there's no sort of midweek game, so it feels like ages since we last had a game. But Jamal Campbell Rice is one hell of a name to pluck out the five hundred pound sensation. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Because right, I, I do my usual thing where I try and find out if there's players who've played for both clubs that I can include in those four names at the start. And his name came up, and, and do you know what? It's come about four or five times recently. I've been like, I'm not putting Jamal Campbell Rice in. <laughs> it finally got to the point where I, was like, I haven't really got much choice with this one because it, it, I need someone in. It was either him or Miguel Cominguez. So, uh, <laughs> but the thing is, he played nine games for us. I don't remember him playing nine games for us. Do you? No, no. That's like that's like a fifth of the season. <laughs> I'm sure he played a lot less than that. He was one of those players. If we'd signed him earlier in his career, you would have been delighted, wouldn't you? But yeah, as it is, we signed it, and he was basically. Busted flush by them, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, obviously, you can guess the link there is that they've all played for United and Stevenage. Yeah. Adrian Clark, I think he played in the 99-00 season under Martin Atkinson. He was on loan from Southend, I think it was. Mm. He started out at Arsenal. There's a lot of media stuff related to Arsenal these days, actually. Um, I think we all know who Harry McCurdy is. Um, mm. And Junior Mendes, of course, had a loan spell in the 98-99 season. Did quite well, actually, in that loan spell, but... Didn't want to join Permanently for some reason, so there you go. Um, that's it for the general crack then. Let's get on with it, Mike. Yeah. So um, straight into it. So obviously last week we reported the fact that United's director of football, David Holsworth, was charged by the FA last weekend over an outburst towards the referee after United's 2-1 defeat to Doncaster Rovers in the FA Cup a couple of weeks ago. Well, that hearing took place this week and uh, Holdsworth didn't uh, deny the charge. He admitted the charge. Uh, he's been fined £750 by the FA, but he won't be receiving a ban. Um, doesn't sound like it was too serious then if he's only just got a, uh, a fine for it rather than a ban, you'd say? Yeah, and you know it's a good thing he hasn't got banned really because he's got an entire plethora of new turtleneck sweaters during the Edinburgh <laughs> Woolen Wood- Mill sale. So you know he wants to show them off at every game and, and you know good luck to him. He's more than entitled to do that. Indeed he is, indeed he is. Talking about going to games there, Mike, uh, swiftly on to the next point. Um, so there's been a slight change in rules for fans who are attending as well. Obviously, we're really pleased about the fact that we're all back in the games and following on from the success of the Sulphur game, which went really smoothly. Um, I think United have been sort of looking at a few of the slight issues that came up in that game. Um, I think one of them was potentially bunching of fans sort of around the sort of tunnel area of the paddock. Um, now, I speak as someone who's got a season ticket in one of those blocks there, so I'm entitled to be there. Um, 
not having to go anywhere else there, obviously. Um, but there did seem to be a lot more people around there maybe than other areas. So I think the club are trying to spread people out a bit more, but accounting for the fact that people might be a little bit closer to each other. They've now insisted the changing rule says that you have to wear a mask when you're in Brunton Park, not just when you're travelling to your seat or travelling to the toilet, that kind of thing, or your standing place. You've got to wear it throughout the whole time you're inside the ground. Um I know some people aren't very happy about this, but it's just the way it is, isn't it? The club have decided that you've got to stick to the rule at the end of the day. I know you as a glasses wearer, Mike, would probably find that a bit difficult because it steams yeah. up a lot, doesn't it? So yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a but, tough one, isn't it? But but as well, I mean, with the paddock, I mean, you know, traditionally, whenever it's raining, everyone sort of huddles towards sort of the back and the middle, don't they? So, to, dodge, to dodge the rain. So it'd be well, interesting... Well, me- yeah, me and Greg were taking a quite pleasure in that in the uh, Sulphur game because it did rain for a little bit in that game and we, mm. we were looking up at the roof above us and we're like, yep, just about covering <laughs> us here. We yeah. picked the right spot here. So, uh, and obviously you can normally go in the Warwick as well if it's raining, but obviously I guess if it's raining and you're stood in the middle of it, then you've just got to gotta put up with it. You've just got to dress appropriately, basically, yeah. for the, the rest of the season, I'm afraid. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've seen a few people grumble about it. Look, just, just grin and bear it. If it means you get to go to the game, so so what, really? Two hours of that, and then as soon as you're out, take it off and you're sorted. Simple mm. as that. So yeah, that's that's the big change there, obviously. And good news that once again, we've got two sellouts, if you want to call it that, for the uh, Stevenage and Mansfield games. All tickets sold out for those games. Fantastic news. And we'll we'll find out this week as well, won't we, Mike, whether uh, Cumbria potentially goes into Tier 1, because all the figures are looking mm. quite good. And if, if Cumbria does go into Tier 1, that does mean that potentially... We could have 4,000 fans back at games as well, doesn't it? Yeah, which would be absolutely fantastic. And I, I, f- I feel like there'd be a bit of an atmosphere. I mean, Brunton Park has been bereft of atmosphere for, for years, really. But I, I actually think that there, there would be a bit of an atmosphere because fans just really want to go to games right now. Yeah, definitely. And, and especially when you think the Bolton game would probably be the first one, I think, wouldn't it? There would have potentially 4,000 fans there. And mm. Can you imagine? I think Bolton wouldn't be pretty happy with that I don't think as, as I imagine they'd probably still be in tier 3 at that point so they wouldn't be able to have any fans yeah, at all um, I think so. so not great for them great for us if it does happen <laughs> um, just one other little bit of news is um, just uh, you might have seen this on the official website today uh, on Thursday we're recording here um, the Kylie Knight Supports Group uh, advertising the fact that the 94-95 commemorative pin badge is still available for sale it features a the home and away shirts from that season and some nice words about you know the fact that first Wembley visiting for division champions um the csg guys will be selling them outside the ground i think at both games the stevenage and the mansfield games uh, so you can pick one of those up all the funds go to cs csg she's done some great stuff recently and we're working towards renovating the uh, the bars in the main stand at the moment so that'd be great if you could uh, really help us out and pick one of those up if you can okay let's then move on then mike to the uh, match review uh, United won, Bradford City nil last weekend. Um, back on the road after a good win against Salford. And um, going into this match, the history books weren't really in United's favour, were they? When you look back at the results, we had a pretty dreadful record at mm. Valley Parade, didn't we? I think no wins for 69 years. Well, turned that on the head, didn't they? And uh, picked up a great 1-0 win thanks to Reese Bennett's second half header. And I know the stats only show it was 1-0, the, the final scoreline, but... It couldn't really have been much more comfortable, could it? No, not really. I mean, you know, they had no shots on target, did they? And, uh, it, you know, it seems like Farman hasn't been tested a, a great deal in some games this season, which is really good to see. But it was still sort of, 
you know, it needed, I wouldn't call it a scrappy goal, but it needed, you know, a sort of goal bundled in off a set piece to get the three points because we don't sort of have them clinical, clinical chances sort of with, with the strikers, really. Well, to be fair, their keeper did get into the League 2 team of the week, didn't he? Which probably mm. says a lot about how well he played and how well we played as well as that. Um, but you're absolutely right. But that's it's the kind of result, isn't it, that a team that's going for promotion really needs to get, don't they? Yeah, definitely. If, they, if they're deadly serious about it, they need to come to a game like this against a team that is struggling near the bottom, but still does have what appears to be a bit of quality in their squad. Mm. You're expecting a tough game, and it probably wasn't as tough as we'd hoped, but we just ground out the result and didn't do any more than we had to, really. It really mm. perfect away performance in that sense. Um, the result does mean that we are still on the heels of the top three. Uh, we're in fourth place on 29 points after 16 games. We're currently level with Forest Green Rovers in third. They've got one better goal difference this plus seven instead of our plus six. Um, you look back and you think, to yourself, give me two raise. Buries that chance at the end of the round <laughs> to keep it. Mm. We, we would have got ahead of them because we've got the bet. We've scored more goals than Forest Green. So a bit frustrating that, but there you go. It's one of those things Gimby really needs to work on, isn't he? He's a few, few times he's done brilliant to get in that position. And if anything, he was just a bit too honest, wasn't he? I, I mm. think the keeper clips him. If he goes down there, then basically I think the keeper probably gets sent off because it's not really much of an attempt to get to the ball. Mm. And it's a penalty and then, you know, you've wrapped up the game. So Yeah, although well, I mean... Well, I was just going to say, I mean, we play Forest Green soon, don't we? So that could potentially swing that goal difference a little bit as well. Yeah, it's a, a massive game, that when you look at it mm-hmm. now. Um, but yeah, so uh, like I said, we're on level on points with Forest Green. Uh, we are seven points behind top spot, Newport County. They're doing really well this season, but I mean, I think they've played their game in hand now, haven't they? Hence why it's seven points rather mm-hmm. than four. I can see them dropping off, though. I, I know they're doing really mm-hmm. well at the moment, but I, I'm just not convinced they'll be right up at the top at the end of the season. Well, I mean, we we battered them in our game, yeah. didn't we, really? I mean, obviously, 3-2 was the final score, I think it was, but there were sort of two very late goals yeah. that, you know... The inevitable Devitt goal. Is yeah, 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 exactly. But yeah, but yeah um, OK, let's get on to the talking points. I mean, the first one, you just, it's, just can't avoid talking about companies. Sign him up, but it's Reese Bennett, isn't it? I mean, mm. Match winner once again, thanks to his second half head. It's third goal in three games, or four games? Can't remember exactly mm. how many. But it was performance at the other end as well that was just as important, wasn't it? Bradford not managing a single shot on target. He just as much takes the credit as anyone else in the team for that, doesn't he? Just the way he strolled through the game and kept their forwards really well marshalled. Surely it's essential now we've got to get in time yeah. on a longer deal. Yeah, definitely. And sort of like I said before, some, some games like that, they're a bit scrappy. You just need someone to just come up and just bundle the ball over the line, you know, to, to get the three points. And they're the difference sort of between sort of been a playoff team and been an automatic promotion team, then turning them draws into wins. It's interesting. Bennett's post-match interview was quite a good one. It was, I love the fact that he talked about yeah. the fact that the players are ripping into him for being the, the teacher's pet because Beach goes on about how great he is. But I think they all appreciate just how good he is and how much they, he's taken them up to just another level, hasn't he? Mm. And it's interesting. We seem to have actually benefited from him being out of the game for so long because he, he talks about the fact that He's getting these goals because he was looking. He's been studying defenders who score lots of goals. I think he, I can't remember who he mentioned, but one of them was Aidan Flint, who plays, I think, for Bristol City, doesn't he? And mm. or Middlesbrough these days. I can't remember which one he plays for now, but he scores loads of goals. And he said he was studying how, as a defender, how he they get into good positions on set pieces. And we're benefiting from that fact that he's anticipating stuff almost mm. like a striker, isn't it? Really, but from yeah. the set piece situations, and we seem to really benefit from that. I think, I think it was. 
he was due to join a championship club. And the suggestion I've seen if it was Wickham Wanderers potentially, but he was going to join, but that fell through. You do wonder if there can be bigger clubs sniffing now. They're looking, go that lad's done really well there. Maybe we should mm. sign him up. But as we've always said this before, the grass isn't always greener. Look at people no. like Vincent Perigard, short-term yeah, deal. Yeah. Took the deal at Swindon and just didn't mm. work out for him. So Yeah. I mean, I, I feel as well with Bennett. I mean, if you're an opposition team and you're sort of designating your defenders and who they're going to mark, well, you know, we've got Bennett, obviously. We've got Hayden, really good threat in the air. Mellish as well. Um, you know, um, even sort of the likes of Patrick and, um, you know, Coyote. They're big lads as well. And, you know, it's like, not every team has like five or six big men to mark our big men. Do you know what I mean? A lot of them will have, t- you know, the two centre halves and maybe a striker or so. But, you know, we're really sort of scaring teams on set pieces. And I've noticed as well that the long throws, we're not scoring every week off them, but we're creating chances and we're scaring the opposition with them. Yeah, well, we'll get on to actually the long throws in a minute. But actually, mm. another player you throw in there, Nick Anderton. He's what, six foot two, six foot three as well, isn't he? And he, he mm. I mean, last season he offered probably more of a threat. This season mm. he maybe sat back a little bit more, but. Mm. But again, he's another one who offers different set pieces. But yeah, I think it's essential. We just get get Benny tied down to the end of the season, at least. And uh, you know what? If he goes after that, I think we'd all wish him the best and, you know, look back on what a great job he's done mm. in his seven or eight months with us. Um, but if we can get him tied down to the end of the season, I think that would be brilliant. Yeah. I hope that the fact that we've shown a bit of loyalty to him, whereas other clubs maybe haven't, might work in our favour here, possibly. Mm. We'll have to wait and see. But I mean, he said as well that he's enjoying his football here, possibly yeah. more than he ever has as well. So, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, maybe learn from like someone like Michael Bridges, who you know realised he was enjoying his football and signed permanently, and obviously then left and maybe made a mistake there. But you know, there you go. I mean, at the end of the day, I've always said as a player, when you hang up your boots and you know you want to show your grandkids all the medals you've won, you don't want to say, you know, oh yeah, I moved to mid-table in League One, that was good. Do you know what I mean? You want to, <laughs> yeah. you want to, you want to show off some medals. So I, I joined Gillingham and finished and... tenth in League One. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not quite the same, is it really? No. Okay, uh, next one. Points to prove. So, United fielded a starting eleven, which included three expansion players and another one on the bench. All three players put in great performances. I think Dean Furman in particular stood out, didn't he? He made the League Two and EFL teams of the week. Mari Patrick, he had another good game as well. I think he, he mm. sort of solidified his place in the starting eleven now. And he yeah. managed more shots in this game. In fact, more shots on target in this game than the whole Bradford team managed off target. Mm-hmm. Game, obviously knowing that they didn't have any on target. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've noticed it. I mean, I really noticed it um, against Bradford, but I've, I've sort of noticed it a little bit as well, is that he, he can get a very powerful, accurate shot and goal, and often keepers can't keep both hands on it. And if we could just have a, a striker following it up and getting the rebound, you know, we'll be scoring an absolute ton. That's almost a sort of role you expect Gavin Riley to do when he's in the team. Well, yeah. It's just where do you fit him in at the moment? That's the problem. Mm. But yeah, I think I think fair to say Patrick's probably pinned down his place in the team for now. I think that front three of Coyote, Alessandra and Patrick pretty yeah. much picks itself right at the moment. I think Torres is going to have to settle for a place on the bench right now. The big question Beach has got, he's got a decision to make this weekend, hasn't he, over midfield with Guy and Furman. What does he do? Does he does he bring Guy back in for Furman? Does he, does he maybe bring drop Divine for... Guy, or does he, you know, keep Guy on the bench? It's a tough one to make, isn't it? I mean, I for me, Guy's got to start, but yeah. who do you replace uh, him with? Well, that's the thing. I mean, for me as well, Guy has to start as well. Um, I mean, I've said all along, Guy and Mellish are the two central midfielders who have to be starting. And it's, 
you know, that other slot. I mean, for me, I, I, I'd play both. I'd, I'd have sort of Guy, Furman and Mellish in there. But, yeah, it, I mean, these are the headaches that you want the manager to have. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because Danny Devine's not done anything wrong in his two games. And I, no. he strikes me as one. Once he gets a goal as well, he might go on a, maybe not a mellish run, but he might get mm. a few more as well. Mm. He, he's, he's certainly causing problems in opposition areas as well. So, so it, it's a tough one, but it's, it's a nice selection headache to have, isn't it, really? Because mm. I think we've said this before, Goalkeeper, defence, and attack are picking themselves at the moment. The midfield, mm. not so much. It's you know, the dilemma that Beach has got is not that. Oh God, I don't know who's actually any good in there. It's like who do I drop because mm. they're all playing so well. Mm, it's a really, exactly. really tough one for him to decide. So, really, really pleasing to see that. And you look at it, and Bradford must look at the, how those lads did, and even Joe Riley coming on the end causing bother. They must look and think, you know, have what we got now any better than Patrick? Divine and Riley? Mm. Probably not right now, based on what mm. we saw. We'll get onto that again in a minute. But um, next up, this point, is uh, mixing it up a little bit. So we've discussed plenty of times, haven't we, Mike, about uh, Coyote's long throw on the show uh, in recent episodes. Um, interesting to note, though, last few weeks, teams have sort of been setting themselves, haven't they, for this missile to come into the box. Mm. And then we've mixed it up a little bit, and Coyote's taken a really quick throw. And twice that's led to goals for us, hasn't it? Obviously, the weekend, mm. the quick ball um, to Furman. Um, he, he puts the ball in the box, which then midfielder completely misses, doesn't he? Trying to clear it. It's a dreadful mm. attempt. And then Bennett buries it at the far post. And then obviously, Coyote uh, as well. Sorry, Alessandra against Salford. Quick mm. throw was taken there and you know, we, get the, we get the goal. So you do wonder if this mixing up starting to give us a bit of an advantage because teams just don't know what to expect from us. Yeah, I think so. I don't know if it was the Salford game, um, but there was one where, obviously, you can't be offside from a throw-in, and he was chucking it to someone in an offside position, you'd say. And they they managed to just about intercept it and clear it, but then I think we scored not long after because it just had them all over the place after you know having to pull out that interception. So, yeah, it's, it's causing teams a lot of problems, and, and long work continue. Yeah, like you said... we. Those long throws are not always going to lead to goals, and they might not lead to goals very often, but they'll they'll cause problems. And it and it, and it I think Lummy sums it up quite well on the radio when he says it just grinds teams down because the striker has to mm. come back every single time. And we mm. know our fitness levels are fantastic this season, aren't they? We've seen that. Um, so it, it's not a problem for us having our defenders coming up and going back. That they seem mm. quite comfortable with it. Mm. Whereas the opposition just seems to. to Tie them out a little bit as mm. well. So, well, Peter Crouch talks about you know the wet, windy Tuesday night at Stoke thing, and he said it was just absolute bombardment, you know. And and you get teams where the fullback has been closed down, and he thinks I'd rather kick it out for a corner than a throw-in because you sort of you're more used to defending corners, but the throw-ins teams don't quite know what to do with them as much. And if you're constantly just under pressure, balls just coming in at you all to, all the time, something has to give eventually. Yeah, I think. I touched on there as well, obviously, about the fitness levels thing. I think that is making a big difference to this this season. Yeah. I mean, this five subs thing has been in for a few weeks now. And I think Beach has only used more than three subs once, I think, that time. And mm. I think some of the games he's only made one or two subs, not even, like, mm. three. So it just shows. I mean, Bradford made four at the weekend. and I mean, they're desperate chasing the game. But the subs who came on had pretty much no impact for them. Whereas we were quite comfortable. Didn't even feel like, you know what, we need to give these players a breather. It was just a case of, no. We're playing well as we are. Yeah. Let's stick with it. And obviously, knowing that we had a midweek off probably helped a little bit there. Mm. But but it's interesting that Beach is quite comfortable with not using every sub when he has to. Mm. 
So it's a good sign that. Um, final point I've got here, Mike, you might have something to add after this, I don't know, but go talk about how poor Bradford were. I, mm. We haven't really, when, we, when we've done this this season, we haven't really talked much about the opposition, but I think it's worth talking about Bradford here because I think you said obviously you expect them to be in the playoffs this season, so your prediction's gone really well there. Um, <laughs> me and Dan both expected they would drop off a little bit and probably just miss out again. I don't think any of us expected them to be in the bottom two at this stage. They're, they mm. were appallingly bad. Mm. Like They just like... Big thing that stood out for me was how much Elliot Watt has regressed with them. Mm. It, he's gone from a player who was you know spraying it about and was looking quite physical and mixing up and doing really well for us to the shadow of that really wasn't he? Mm. He was there, essentially in there to take set pieces and that was mm. it. He mm. didn't do anything else. And uh, would you swap him for any of our midfielders at the moment? Probably no. not. No, no. Would you? But I mean, last season he was kind of brought in. Um, in sort of quite a positive way in that it was, you know, show what you can do. And he sort of, you know, really sort of took that on and was very creative for us. But I feel there, it's hard to be creative when you're fighting relegation, really, isn't it? No, but then then again, we were struggling a little bit, weren't we? That's true. He was making his first impression then, wasn't Mm. he? So he was out there to impress. Now he's got his move, he's settled maybe. But Mm. it, it strikes me that it doesn't look like we made a massive effort to bring him in permanently in the summer. And... Mm. Maybe starting to understand why, because we've got better available to us now. Well, yeah. So, so there you go. Well, yeah. it, it seems balmy that they got rid of Divine and got him in when, you know, Divine's looking the better players this season. I mean, but, yeah, uh-huh. I, mean, I think Elliot Wall probably offers you a bit more in terms of set pieces yeah, and things definitely. like that. And he probably is the best player overall. But Divine just looks like a better League Two player at the moment. He mm-hmm. looks like a player who's capable of playing this stuff. I and mean, he looks like someone who. Yeah, even after after this season, we decided not to keep him on. He could easily get himself another League Two club because he looks like he, he's capable of playing this level mm. quite easily. Yeah, so I just, I just can't, I can't grasp how bad Bradford have been. I, I, I look at their squad and yet yeah, he's lacking quality in some areas, but they've still got some decent plays in there. Yeah, exactly. I just, you just wonder if McCall's really that good as a manager. Mm. And I, I still think they'll probably avoid the drop just because I think. Our opponents this weekend and the South End are probably worse than them. Mm. But, you know, it's quite easy to get comfortable and think, oh, it's all right, we'll, we'll get away from this. And then, you know, you're a few weeks from the, three weeks away from the end of the season, you're like, oh, God, we're right down here still. I mean, maybe they're one of them teams that's really missing having fans in because it's always a tough place to go, especially with, like, you know, f- yeah. five-figure attendances. Yeah. Um, and maybe when the fa- well, you know, when the fans come back, there it might be better for them who knows I think they're also possibly missing a bit of their attacking intent at the moment I think because mm-hmm. Novak's out injured isn't he I think Billy mm-hmm. Clark missed the game and Guthrie was on the bench they they look so toothless in attack I think that was the mm-hmm. big thing that stood out for me mm-hmm. really with them um, but the, the stats show it though don't they we said that before so there you go um, anything else you want to talk about from this game Mike? No I think we've pretty much covered it haven't we? Yeah, that's it. just another good three points, isn't it? A good, mm. solid away performance. Exactly what, what you want to see at this stage of the season. Coming into another busy period. So, yeah, we're really happy with that one. Okay, that's the end of part one then, Mike. Uh, up after the break, we'll be looking ahead to this weekend's game against uh, another team that's really struggling this season. No surprise there, really, though. Uh, Stevenage. So we'll be back shortly to discuss that. <laughs>
Hello everyone and welcome back. Uh, we're into part two now and we're going to be looking ahead to this weekend's game where Stevenage will be the visit to Brunson Park for a game United... I mean, surely you've got to be looking to pick up all three points from this if you're serious about promotion this season, Mike. Yeah, def- definitely, definitely. I mean, well, I don't want to be accused of sitting on the fence too much here but and hate is a very strong word but I hate Stevenage. Like, <laughs> I just... you, you know what? I used to have these one of these clubs. I think they're just so non-league, and you know, because yeah. you, you associate them with they've been in the conference in the nineties and FA Cup games and things like that. You just think of them as a non-league team. But actually, I've sort of gone a bit soft on them in recent years. I'm sorry to tell you this, but I, no. I've kind of accepted them as a league club now, and they just they've yeah, they're just a settled league club to me. But. You, you clearly disagree on that one, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I was gutted last season when obviously what went down with Macclesfield happened and he got relegated instead of Stevenage. Because, um, I mean, we don't have much in the way of like local rivalries, really. I mean, you know, we miss sort of away games at the likes of Hartlepool, Darlington and stuff, but I would never miss Stevenage, ever. To be honest, yeah, it's one of those ones. Isn't it? We, we went down a couple of years ago, didn't we? And uh, it was um, a fun trip down that one, wasn't it? Uh, where we, you, no, it's weird. You, you part anyone who's not been before behind the the away fans behind one goal, and then behind the other goal, they've just built a new stand, haven't they? And mm. beyond that is like a dual carriageway sort of thing, isn't it? I think <laughs> yeah. it's not really a dual carriageway. It's like a, but it's two lanes, isn't it? It's a road. Yeah. Um, but on the other side of that is a huge car park, isn't it? So there's more enough space to park there. And you come out of it, you, turn, you have to come out of the car park, turn left, go around this roundabout. But there's like there's like a little slip road thing, isn't there, just before the roundabout yeah. or something? Yeah. And, you, and it, it's not very clear that that's blocked off at the other side. And no. we turned down, didn't we? <laughs> End up with two other people, I think, behind us did the yeah, same thing. Yeah. And we're all like, oh, shit. <laughs> I have to turn around and try and get out of here. Um but yeah, I've been a few times. I don't think I've... I think I've seen... A, oh no, have I seen us win there? I think I've seen us win there once. I think that was under Graham Kavanagh because I think I was living down that mm. way at that point. Um, I think it was the game just before he got pointed permanently, possibly. Mm. And David and Moose scored. Rings a bell. Not 100% on that one though. But um, but yeah, so Stephen, it's, just, it's one of those clubs, aren't they? That they, they seem to have established themselves as a league club, but the last couple of years they've really, really struggled, haven't they? They've, they've yeah. just found it tough, and I think actually building that new stand has crippled them a little bit in terms of who they've been able to sign, possibly, mm. and made it a lot tougher for them. Because um, they're kind of club, aren't they? They're quite good at picking up players who've been released by your likes of Arsenal and Tottenham and West Ham and clubs like that, and QPR mm. and stuff like that. That they're good at picking up players who are not good enough to go to a Championship club or something like that. And building them up again, they're, they're pretty decent at that, to be fair. Mm. Um, but the last few years, it seems to have dried up slightly, possibly. Yeah. It's hard one to judge. Um, anyway, let's get on to the uh, history and the facts. So, um, Stevenage are actually one of the youngest clubs in the EFL. They were formed as Stevenage Borough in 1976 after bankruptcy of the town's previous club, Stevenage Athletic. Uh, the chairman... Keith Burners and a number of like-minded volunteers were tasked with arranging a team to play Hitchin Town Youth at Broadhall Way, which is their current ground, in November 1976 as a curtain raiser for the new club. <laughs> this is brilliant. This. However, the Broadhall Way pitch was subsequently dug up for non-footballing purposes after Stevenage Borough Council sold the land to a local businessman who dug a trench across the full length of the pitch to ensure no football was played. <laughs> that, is, that is kind of pettiness I really like from mm. people, you know. 
Amazing. So the action. I, comes... I would have carried on with the game with the trench <laughs> in the middle of the pitch just to spite him. Yeah, but yeah, you probably think this all. I wish I wish I just kept the trench permanently. But <laughs> yeah. Um, so consequently, the new club started out playing in the Chilton Youth League on a roped-off pitch on the town's King George V playing fields. In 1980, they reacquired the lease for Broad Hallway and have played there ever since. Um, they spent much of their early years working their way through the non-league pyramids of the, I think it's the Isthmian League, isn't it? In the, uh, I can't remember the one's called, um, but basically all the lower leagues in sort of the, mm. the southeast. Um, managed to get themselves up to the conference. Um, they had a really good spell in the early 90s and it accumulated in them being crowned conference champions in 1996. But quite famously, they were denied promotion due to their ground not being up to league standard and it would take another 14 years for them finally to get in the league. I remember this at the time. It was a big, big hoo-ha about it because I don't think the ground was that much off being of league standard. Mm. And the team that was allowed to stay in the league who finished bottom last season was Torquay and anyone who can remember what the Torquay's ground was like back then it was a bit of a shit tip <laughs> so it was a bit like I think there was a bit of sort of a look eyes looking across my team like so you're not going to let us in because our ground's up to standard but you're going to let Torquay stay in despite their ground being mm. a mess and I think the rules were sort of tweaked over the next couple of years because it, I think it'd been silly for like four or five years teams weren't going up just because the grounds weren't standing they said we can't have this of teams staying in every season mm. because of this so they managed to sort it in the end, I think, and we saw the likes of Macclesfield coming up and Cheltenham over the years, and mm. Kidderminster, and I mean, Russian obviously had a much better ground than most teams, but but yeah, those sort of teams started to come up as a result, didn't they? Well, it's one of them. You need the money from going up to improve the ground, <laughs> you know. So if you deny I, them promotion, they can't improve the ground. I think the way grants were done was changed over the years. Mm. I think as well to to make it easier for clubs to come up, and obviously, I think back then it was. The capacity was set at 6,000 minimum, I think it was, to get in the league. Mm. Mm. Uh, I think it was tweaked slightly. And then I think it's as low as 4,000 now. Hence why mm. Barrow and, or was it maybe 5,000? How Barrow and Harrogate are both in the league now. Mm. Because those those uh, rules were tweaked. Uh, two years after they were denied promotion, they played a famous FA Cup fourth round tie against Newcastle United. The first game at Broadhall Way saw a temporary stand erected behind the goal, with Borough holding the Magpies to a one-more draw thanks to Giuliano Graziola's goal. Do you remember Giuliano Graziola? He's one of those players yeah, that you always used to sign him, didn't we, on a championship manager and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I remember that. Newcastle won the replay 2-1 thanks to a controversial Alan Shearer goal that didn't actually appear to cross the line. Um, didn't just mention the fact that he was played at Broadway there because the season before they played Birmingham City would have been in the um, first division by then. Um, and that game was switched to St Andrews because the ground wasn't up to standard. Mm. Back in the days when you were allowed to do that. I think the last team to do that was Farnborough, possibly. Funny enough, Farnborough, I think at the time, were managed by Graham Wesley um, when mm. they switched the game from Farnborough to Highbury for that game. I think they were the last club allowed to do it because I think some teams were like, come on, we're not allowed to switch because our ground's up to standard. Mm. But they can just because theirs isn't. Mm. And uh, I, think, I think Graham Wesley uh, did a runner on Farnborough around about then, didn't he? And uh, left to take over as Stevenage manager not long after. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they... Uh, <laughs> I love this fact because I've got to drop this one in. They lost the 2005 conference player final to United. Thanks to Peter Murphy's goal. We had a bit of a rivalry going on with them that season, didn't we? Because mainly yeah. thanks to Wesley's antics, wasn't it? And the way he was behaving and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, well, I mean, well, what I understood of it is... Because we lost there in the league, didn't we? And Kieran Westwood... We played them twice hell. in the space of like three weeks, I think, didn't we? Yeah. It was a weird setup the way it went. Yeah, and... Kieran made a mistake and their players were like banging on our dressing room door like, ah, we won, we won, we won and all the rest of it. And then 
the next time we sort of beat them, I think one of our players said to Simo, like, can we knock on their change room door and say, we won, we won, we won. Simo was like, oh yeah, go on. And that was the conference playoff final. And, yeah, and uh, Graham Wesley was saying it was unsportsmanlike and all the rest yeah. of it. And, well, I, I remember from that game that, um, wasn't it? I think that, that game that we lost, I think afterwards, when they were bagging on the door, I think Simpson said to the players, after someone on the lines of, don't forget that. Don't forget the way they behave there when you when we next play them. Obviously, that was mm. the playoff final, mm. and I think wasn't that game as well the one where um, the Stevenage team coach got stuck in traffic on the way to the Britannia Stadium for the playoff final, and Wesley, rather than waiting for the traffic to clear or whatever, made the players walk the final <laughs> bit, didn't they? Which obviously is not going to help them ahead of a big game, is it? It's no. ridiculous, but. Mm. But yeah, I remember that. Um, they finally earned their place in the FL in 2010 when they finished as conference champions. I think that was under Wesley as well. I'm not 100% on that one. I'll just double check mm. the list of who their manager was back then. Indeed, it was Wesley in mm. his second spell as manager. Mm. Second of four. <laughs> Funny <laughs> enough. Yeah, been, they won the FA Trophy as well, actually, in uh, 2002. Sorry, uh, 2007. Um, and also 2009. They, they've had a good record, I think, in the FA Trophy too. Uh, been in the final a couple of other times. Um, first season after they got promoted to the uh, Football League, uh, they actually won the League Two playoff final as well mm. in 2011. We're in a place in the uh, um, League One. Um, I think we played them that season. Did they make the playoffs, didn't they? I think in 2012 as well in League One. I seem oh, to did remember. They? I'm fairly sure they did. Something mm. rings a bell there because they weren't on that incredible run, didn't they? I think they had, um, they had a really good run in the FA Cup, which earned them a lot of money, which meant they were able to get a few signings in. And mm. we dropped off because Lee Miller had that injury and they sort of jumped ahead of us, I'm sure. Mm. Not 100% of that one. I'd have to, I'd have to double check it. I'm fairly certain they, they got into the, uh, the league. Let me, let me just Cause, double check it. Because it was, I think it was, I think they won promotion to League One around 2010, didn't they? Which you've said. Yeah. And then that got Wesley the Preston job. Yes, he did. So yeah, yeah, he left them when they were in the uh, in the in the playoffs to join Preston, mm. and um, they did make it into the playoffs. But I think they uh, they lost in the semi-finals, um, which is the uh, highest the highest ever league finish. Mm. Quite impressive. Um, they were they were still in the top six of League One midway through 2012-13, but they had a run of fourteen losses from eighteen matches from December twenty twelve, which mm. meant they dropped pretty much close to relegation. I think they just avoided it. I always remember the fact that wasn't it Wesley went to. Um, Preston, what did he tell the players? You know what my kids call me? Medal winner. <laughs> yeah. By all accounts, he was, you know, messaging players at stupid o'clock, wasn't he? And things like that. And yeah, those methods might work at a smaller club like Stevenage, but they were never going to work at Preston, were they? <laughs> no. Baffling. I remember, I, I still knew a few Preston fans from my time at uni then, and none of them were particularly impressed with him and his, uh, his antics, let's say that. Um, yeah. Celeb fans, struggling here. Arthur Ken Follett is a Borough fan. Um, Lewis Hamilton is from Stevenage but I doubt you're going to see him down Broad Hallway anytime soon no, more likely so. to be at, uh, watching a Monaco game I'd think <laughs> I mean, that's where he lives so yeah that, that thing grill as usual for the older famous fans there head to head record um, we're just ahead in this so it's, we've won nine there's been four draws and Stevenage have got seven wins uh, last time we met it was quite an exciting game this one wasn't it last mm. uh, September 2019 um Two sides were involved in a thrilling contest, although I think it's fair to say both sides were lacking in quality, to say the least, that day. Mm-hmm. I remember it because I was actually out in the garden doing a lot of gardening. I uh, was listening to the game on uh, iFollow on my headphones while I was doing it. And it, was just, it just seemed constantly end-to-end. 
I just remember that James Constantine talked about the fact that it's not a good game despite that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so we ran out 3 2 winners, uh, goals from Nathan Thomas and Harry McCurdy got a brace against his former club. Interesting fact, when you look at the match day 18 that day, bear in mind this was only what 15 months ago. Mm. Um, only one member of that match day 18, John Mellish, who was an unused sub that day, remains at the club. Mm. That shows you the turnaround in that time, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's our longest serving player, isn't he? He is, yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's quite interesting though, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Okay, so let's look now at Stevenage, what they've been up to this season. So we mentioned just there before, didn't we, Mike, that they had a bit of a reprieve over the summer, didn't they? Very last minute reprieve though, wasn't it? They, they were preparing themselves for the for the conference. I mean, mm. oh, National League even these days. Um, so you can almost sort of let them off for struggling this season because they were preparing a squad for mm. a different level, really. So they had a bit of a reprieve after the financial shambles at Macclesfield. Um, and it did actually look at the start of the season like they might have, you know, do okay this year. You know, we, I think Dan, didn't he? He said that he felt they would do better than anyone expected this season. Um, not doing very well with his predictions this year, Dan, is he? <laughs> He's not on today, so we can keep mentioning that, can't we? Um, yeah, so that early solid start dissipated fairly quickly and they now found themselves slugging it. Out of the bottom with Southend and Bradford. Uh, they're currently 22nd place on 13 points with a record of played 16, won 2, drawn 7, lost 7, 4-11, against 16, goal difference minus 5. They've also played one game more than the two teams below them and Bradford are on the same number of points as them. So yeah. it's not looking great for them at the moment. But one thing that does stand out when you read those stats out there, Mike, is the against one, doesn't it? Mm. They've only let in 16, which is in the same 16. number... That, which is the same number we've let in. Mm. It shows that they've got a good, solid defensive base, which we'll touch on in a minute when we look at their squad. Mm. The big problem is they're just not getting goals. Mm. 11 goals. We've got twice as many with 22. Mm. <laughs> so it shows that that's the area really where they're struggling to make an impact this season, which I think is pretty similar to last season when Paul Farmer was playing for them. They, mm. they, they, they weren't letting many in. They're just not scoring at the other end. That's where they've really got to sort out the issues out. I mean, um, by all accounts, as well, Farman last season, he stopped them from going down a hell of a lot sooner than they did, like, well, single-handedly. Yeah, well, their replacement, his replacement's done pretty well as well. We'll touch on him again in a minute. So, in their last three league fixtures, they haven't lost. Um, they've drawn two and won one. Uh, in the form table of the last six games, uh, they're 16th with one win, three draws, and two losses. So, they're not appalling aren't they they're not getting battered by teams mm. they're just struggling to get results and that that win against um, Port Vale the last one they won which was uh, three games ago it was a 2-1 win that's only their second win of the season <laughs> mm. and the last the last game they played was a game they probably would have loved to have won because they were against bottom club Southend United and they played out a 0-0 draw I'm going to have a wild stab in the dark and say that's not a game for the ages that one is it <laughs> Not one that's going to be on any highlight reels for this season for the EFL yeah, so. an advert for League Two football. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Um, the FA Cup has actually offered them a bit of respite, though, hasn't it? That, that's where they've enjoyed themselves this season. Um, I can't remember who they played in the first round. I think they played a non-league side, possibly. I'm not 100% on that one. Um, but they'll actually face Championship side Swansea City at home in the third round after knocking out League One leaders Hull City on penalties in the second round pretty good result for them that wasn't it really because I think mm. Hull didn't play a particularly weak inside for that game I don't think so de- decent result and you know mm. yeah, you, yeah they probably would prefer the Premier League club but with limited fans allowed and it's not really going to be a money spinner anyway so no. you know, good good result for them a bit, bit of extra cash for them let's get on to the manager 
Alex Revel. So it's his first management job. He's a former Borough player. Uh, he had a really decent career as a lower league striker, didn't he, Revel? He's one of those players you always saw and he was always scoring goals wherever he went, wasn't he? Mm. Um, I think the only place he really struggled was when he went up to the Championship with Cardiff City. In fact, did he play in the Premier League with Cardiff City? I'm not 100% on that one. I'm I think not he sure if he there's... played. He might have been there, though. Yeah, I, 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 he might have been in the squad possibly at that point. But, I mean, every club he's been at, Leighton, Rotherham, mm. Northampton, even Steaming at the end, he's always had a good goals ratio for those teams and he's always been a good target man. I think he scored an amazing goal for Rotherham, didn't he, in a playoff final, I think. It was like a volley from 30 yards mm. over the keeper. Mm. You always see that on, like, highlight clips of, you know, great EFL playoff moments and things like that. So, so yeah, he, he was a good player. Um, he, when he finished, uh, retired as a player... Uh, with Stevenage in 2019, he joined the coaching staff there, um, and uh, he then stepped up to be manager in February this year after Graham Wesley's fourth spell in charge came to an end. So far, his record fares pretty well with his two predecessors, Wesley and Mark Sampson. I.e., it's pretty god awful, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think he's managed those two wins this season. Are the only two wins he's managed. I think all three of the last three managers have only managed two wins mm. in their time in charge. Six wins over what was like. 46 games something like that it's it's just appalling isn't it really mm. it's just it's just it's not any sign of progress there he's got a tough task on his hands to keep him up this, in the league this season and you do wonder if it's only a matter of time before Wesley returns for his <laughs> fifth spell in charge well yeah he always gets I mean it's, it's, his name is synonymous isn't he with Stevenage Wesley isn't it he basically yeah. him with Stevenage and Martin Allen with Barnett basically the two names around that area mm. that you just associate with each other um and Paul Fairclough with both clubs, I think, gets spells as a manager. Mm. Um, so, quick look at their squad, Mike. Obviously, it's lacking in quality, isn't it? Mm. That, that's pretty obvious. You only have to look at the, the table and how they're doing to see that. But what you'd say is there's some good experience in there, isn't there? You look down through the squad. I mean, you've got, in defence in particular, you've got Scott Cuthbert, Luke Prosser, and Ben Coker. I mean, that's that's the makings of a good, solid set of centre-backs there uh, mm. left-backs isn't it and people like that no that, that's a decent defence there and Roman Vancelot as well mm. in midfield good defensive midfielder who's been around the block and knows knows the game well but you you, you ponder though I, I think they're sort of them players if they'd signed them five years ago they'd be quality players but like not yeah. so much anymore yeah. maybe but I mean Prosser was still a decent player at Colchester last season from what I remember mm. um, and like Coker was a player who had a lot of promise when he was Lincoln um mm. But yeah, it's when you go sort of further forward, you start to see the weaknesses, don't you? You look at their mm. attack. I mean, where are your goals coming from there? Exactly. I, I, I mean, they've started yeah, playing from Telford. I mean, Jack Aitchison from Barnsley, maybe. Mm. But I mean, I, I'm I'm not as clued up on sort of you know like, back when we were in League One, I could name you every starting eleven in the league, and I'm not as clued up as I used to be sort of back then. But I was looking at their squad and. There's not many names that I recognise at all. Do you know what I mean? No, it's 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 very very thin looking squad and a weak looking squad in a lot of areas. One signing they did make in the summer who seems to have a really big positive impact is goalkeeper Jamie Cumming. So he's been brought in on loan from Chelsea to replace Paul Farman. Funny enough, um, and by all accounts, he's been excellent for them. From what mm. I've, what we've read, I mean, he was brilliant. Apparently, he made a couple of penalty saves in that uh, shootout against Hull City. And they're really impressed with how he's done. I think he was he was the third choice keeper, wasn't he, at Chelsea last season? He, he travelled with the first team squad to most games, and I think they thought, let's mm. get him out there and playing. And obviously, he's getting plenty of practice <laughs> playing mm. for well, Stevenage. Yeah. But the, the record shows that you know 
they've only conceded 11 goals this season, so he's keeping mm. a few clean sheets here and there as well. So Yeah, well, coming into the team after oh, uh, after after farm and you know it's obviously big boots to fill but <laughs> stop it okay stop it that's that's a, that's a terrible one you get you get a drum roll for a good one you know that that's your reward yeah. a bad one gets a tumbleweed but yeah by all accounts he's their best player he's the player who makes a difference to them and He's the one, you know, we've got to beat, really, this weekend. As you mentioned there, there's no ex-United players in their squad, and United have got one ex-Stevenage player, and that's Farman, obviously. Um, so on to team news, Mike. Callum Guy returns for this game. He's completely suspension, and by all accounts, the rest has done him well as well in terms of his slight knock he picked up against yeah. Salford. So it's, it's worked out pretty well, hasn't it, actually, to be fair, yeah. in terms of that. Looking into this game as well, Rod McDonald remains out with his groin injury by the looks of things. We've not heard anything yet, but doesn't sound like he's quite back yet. Um, Conor Malley's still out. Uh, interesting comments from Beach about Brennan Dickinson and Ethan Walker the last few days, mm. isn't it? So it looks like Walker's back running now and just building up his fitness. So hopefully we'll have some good news on that one soon, won't we? Um, mm. And Brennan Dickinson sounds like he's chomping at the bit, isn't he, to get back in the uh, the squad. The way Beach is talking, I reckon it's maybe that game on January the 2nd. That they're mm. looking towards for his return. It's hard to yeah, tell. Yeah, he alluded to a game, didn't he? So yeah. he's got a game in mind, but yeah, yeah. But it'd be good. Be good to have him back soon. Um, interestingly, Mike, head of the game. There's a couple of players who are close to suspension uh, following up on Callum Guy's suspension, aren't they? So Joe, John Mellish and Nick Anderton are on four bookings for the mm. season. So the next one they get, they miss one game. The question is. <laughs> Do you want them to get one soon or not? That's the, that's the thing, you know. We've got some tough games ahead. I mean, Mansfield, you look at it and you think it should be an easier game, but actually, in reality, they're picking up a bit of form too. So it's one of those ones, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, bizarrely, I think we'd miss Anderton more in that we don't have a lot of backup for that position so much. In fact, I mean, you could even argue that if Anderton was out, Mellish might even be an option at left back. So if possibly, you know, if if we were to sort of lose both of them I think that would be a, a real blow if we can just lose them one at a time that's more manageable isn't it it's whether you, I mean, you don't really want to lose them for the Boxing Day game against Bolton you don't no. really want to lose them for the for the game against Forest Green which is arguably a no. tougher game than Bolton even so, yeah yeah so yeah, it's one of those ones isn't it uh, not being able to get any Stevie's T's news nothing on their local paper site so I can't really tell you anything there so let's go for predictions then Mike um, I'm going to go I think with you to batter someone, but with them not conceding many goals, I don't think it's going to be this week. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go two nil. Okay, goal scorers, uh, and I'm going to go for uh, Bennett Bauer, and um, I'll go for Patrick as well. Okay, Patrick Dewey's goal, I suppose. Yeah. Um, although they don't concede many, I have a feeling that this might be the game where. It finally crumbles for them. Hopefully, I thought I'm done. Maybe I'm living on hope here. My, my head's sort of saying you're absolutely right, Mike. They, they don't concede many, so we shouldn't really be going for a big win. But I'm going to go for three 0 anyway. So there you go. Um, goal scorers. Uh, I think Coyotes do another one. Um, Mellish needs to get back on the score sheet. I didn't pick him, hoping that he would score against Bradford, and he didn't really do any good. Um, so Mellish and. Go on, Bennett. Bennett's going to score again. He's on a roll. Bennett Bauer, as you called him there. Absolutely. <laughs> so you go. We're both going for wins again. Absolutely nailed on it. would be nil-nil now. No, no. <laughs> We've done that. Um, so yeah, uh, let's go on to the X-Files then, Mike. So look at what X-United players and coaches have been getting up to across the world. Um, 
mostly just goals this week, isn't it? So plenty of goals from ex United players. So Brad Potts scored for Preston, Andy Cook for Mansfield, Peter Grant for Queen's Park in Scotland, and Daryl Duffy across the board as well for Stranraer. Uh, Ryan Lofty, he's got, got, getting a bit of form now, isn't he, for Scunthorpe? Mm. I think he's had two or three recently. Um, he scored again. Gary Medini, he just, he just seems to have a great partnership with Yates now, doesn't he? Yeah. The, the two of them are... He, it's even one of them two scoring each week, isn't it? Um, yeah. And Garrett Jones got a goal for Bolton as well. Uh, not not a great day for him, though, was it? No. <laughs> there's, there's a brilliant clip. I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter. This uh, Paul Vale fan has put together a, a clip thing. Uh, it's, it's audio coverage from before... The game. I think it's actually they've made out it's a pundit centre, but I think what it is, it's fans who ring in and talk about mm. like, like the fans panel they're doing Radio Cumbria, and they're talking about um, Bolton's chances in this game or whatever. And going into the game, I think Bolton had not lost in five, and I think Port Vale lost five in a row possibly. Mm. Um, and the, the guy was going, "Oh yeah, we're comfortable. We should be yeah five now. We should be looking for and things <laughs> like that." And obviously, then they show clips of the goals going in and stuff yeah, like that, yeah. and lots of stuff saying, "Oh, you know." And I think one of them was saying, "Like, oh, the, you know, Santos is the best defender in in League Two, you know." <laughs> yes, and you look at me and think, and if I, oh, I mean, when I was watching, I was thinking to myself, "Well, we've actually got three centre backs better than him at Carlisle." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you, you could know. probably argue Hunt's probably as good as him. To be honest, yeah. he, he did not look much cop from those clips I saw. Mm. And they signed him from Barnet last season. Obviously, I'm guessing Everett knows who he is. From his conference, uh, sorry, National League days. So I'll never get ever called it conference, will I? Um, <laughs> but yeah, they showed all these clips, and there's a brilliant one. One of the goals goes in. I think it's when Santos messed up for one of the goals. And there's a clip, and you can see Garant Jones, and he sort of turns his head and holds his head and his hands and looks to the sky like, what on earth? And, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, someone said, sent it to me and said, there's Garant Jones, thinking to myself, why didn't I just stay with Carla? <laughs> yeah. Well, is, is, isn't it Gaffin Jones, not Garant? I'm sure Geffen. it's Geffen. Geffen. Apologies. I don't like yeah, Geffen. <laughs> I keep calling Geffen Jones for some reason, but there you go. Geffen Jones, anyway. But but he made, he made Team of the Week, didn't he? Well, he made one of the Teams of the Week, which is the mm. D4, D, D3, D4 one. But that is based solely on statistics. Mm. So they've got it. They base the statistics they do from all the Opta analysis and stuff. They get points, whatever. And if you hit a points, obviously the highest points thing, you're in there. So they had to fit him in somewhere. They put him in in defence, which is a bit mm. weird, really. But but basically, he was in there for that reason because he scored and set one up, I think. But I mean, if you're part of a defence that lets in six for me, you mm. shouldn't, whether you're playing wing back or not, you shouldn't really <laughs> be in there. Mm. Um, but yeah, so Geffen Jones, apologies, uh, <laughs> scored that. Why am I calling Geraint Jones? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure I know Geraint Jones from somewhere else, maybe. There you go. Um, Last one. This was an interesting one. Uh, I think I think it was. Um, I want to get the name right here. Was it Jason Stalker? Maybe that sent this one into us. I'm not 100. percent I haven't a clue. Uh, but I better double check that because you know what? It'd be one of those ones where you, you say the person's name and you've got it completely wrong. So <laughs> let, let, let me let me just double check before we go any further. So that was from Jason Stalker. There you go. So Jason Stalker sent this one into us. Thank you, Jason, for letting us know. Um, Reggie Lamb. He made his debut for Eastern Counties League side Stowmarket Town in a 5-0 win over Ainsbury in the FA Vars and Reggie grabbed a goal in this game with a header. A 5-0 win. I mean, of all the things you predict Reggie Lamb to do, you wouldn't predict him to score a header, would you? No. No, but that's quite a drop for him though, isn't it, really? And yeah. I think it just shows how some players have probably been holding out for the money they've always been getting mm. at EFL and National League level. But clubs just don't have that money right now. And they're, they're no, on site. Sorry, but you're going to have to wait or you're going to have to go somewhere else. And 
Hence why they're now having to play for clubs at a lot lower level than you'd expect. Mm. Um, yeah, so there you go. Reggie Lamb dropped, dropped quite a level there, hasn't it? That's about four or five league drop from Cambridge. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. Now. But I wonder if he's still doing international duty from, from that level. Well, you do get players from like quite a low level, like playing for mm. Montserrat and teams like that, don't you? So mm. I wouldn't be surprised if he was. I mean... He's probably going to be better than any local players playing for <laughs> for mm. that for his national side, isn't it? So, mm. so there you go. Um, I think that's it, Mike, isn't it? I don't think there's anything else to cover no, this week's episode. It, yeah. I think we've covered it all. So, thanks once again for joining me. I do appreciate it. Um, I keep saying every week, but the specials, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll get around to doing them all. They're just busy, busy, busy. It's Christmas, isn't it? So, mm. I think me and Dan are looking to fit something in uh, soon. Um, interesting upcoming episodes obviously this week we're going to be doing I think me and Dan are going to be recording the preview episode ahead of the Mansfield game we're hoping to get all three of us on for the forest screen one maybe we're going to yeah, see yeah, fit in and do like a sort of it's not quite mid-season review but you know looking at the, like, the first third of the season and looking ahead yeah. of the Christmas fixtures and giving a bit of a look at might might end up being ahead of the Bolton game instead possibly we'll have to wait and see what we can fit in yeah, um, yeah. but we'll be doing something a little bit different for the forest screen game because um I've been asked to appear on a Forest Green uh, podcast, Mike, um, mm. with two Forest Green fans who live in New York City. Mm. They started following the club over the last three years, and they do a podcast every week, and they, they interview a fan from an opposition club, and it's, it's a little bit quirky, a little bit different. Um, mm. they, they, they do their own little bit of research and ask you questions about the club, so that'll be a good one. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to get them on as well to ask them why Forest Green Rovers. I mean, <laughs> are, they, are they militant veganists maybe or something like that? I don't know, but yeah. Who knows? Possibly, but um, but yes, I'm going to get them on to, to discuss as well. So we'll play a little clip during the next episode uh, from them. Should be a nice one to hear what their thoughts are ahead of the game. Um, so yeah, that's it. So if you've got any comments or feedback or anything you'd like to suggest we discuss, as usual, contact us in all the usual places. So Twitter at Brunton Bugle, email bruntonbugle at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, and obviously on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group, uh, we're always on there, always looking for your comments and really are always welcomed. Um, yeah, uh, if you haven't already, I mean, most people who are listening or probably have done this, but please do subscribe to the podcast. It's the best way to get every episode. Come straight into your app, whatever you use. So that could be Spotify, it could be Acast, it could be Google Podcast, it could be Apple Podcast, and it's iHeartRadio, things like that. Loads of podcast apps you can get out there. Just search for Brunton Bugle. And if you can't find it on your app that you like to use the most, please do let us know and we'll work to try and get it on there because there are ways of doing that usually. So... Um, so yeah we'll aim to do that I think as well if you've got a smart speaker you can ask it to play the episodes as well if you link it to Apple Podcasts and stuff like that so always a good way to listen to it um, cool Mike then let's have a look at the map yes we've got a new one haven't we and it's a bit of an unusual one so we're getting all these money places aren't we so we've had Saudi Arabia we've had Bahrain <laughs> we've now got Brunei Dar Salam. I, I pronounced that wrong Dara Salam. I think I've got that right. We've had two listens in that country. So it's Brunei, basically, mm. where the Sultan of Brunei used, used to be the richest person in the world, didn't he? Lives. Mm. Are all these money men, like, just suddenly taking interest in Carlisle? You know, they, they yeah, maybe. The place, to, they listen, place to go? Oh, maybe if their fans seem like nice people, will will buy the club and then they listen to it and then they don't buy the club. Yeah. That's, that's the way things usually go, isn't it? So yeah, so, yeah, so we've, we've, we've had two listens in that country, so it's a repeat listener. They've listened to two episodes at the very least, so they clearly weren't put off by the first one, <laughs> we don't. <laughs> but there you go. Um, I think that's it, Mike, then, isn't it? So uh, we'll be yep. back uh, early next week with the Mansfield preview episode, then we'll have the Forest Green one, and then, like I said, with the Christmas one, I think what we're going to do, 
we'll sort of just bunch the Bolton and Harrogate games together because we're just not going to be able to fit in a preview episode in between the Bolton and Harrogate games. It's just just the way it's going to be. Um, so yeah, um, thanks everyone for listening. Always appreciated. Uh, and up the blues. Oh, 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 o